Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On today's episode, we have part two of two with Christina Bruce, certified integrative life coach and body trust provider. Make sure you tune into last week's episode for part one of this amazing discussion. The link will be in the show notes. On today's part two episode, we're talking about the challenges of physical and psychological restriction when we're working on neutral nutrition and unconditional permission to eat. We're also diving into how this fits into the shift from external food shoulds to internal regulation when giving up dieting behaviors and why it feels like we're constantly swimming upstream and have our defenses up when working on body acceptance in the body size obsessed culture. As a certified integrative life coach and body trust provider, Christina specializes in helping women break free from dieting and negative body image. Calling upon her education in health studies, sociology, yoga, meditation, and self-inquiry methodologies, Christina works one-on-one with women to help them develop a positive relationship with themselves so they can live empowering and fulfilled lives in the bodies that they have. Huge thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Wholehearted Eating listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Dana. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Dana. We talked a lot about this internal battle and obviously there's external battles with like people making comments about how your body is changing. And when you're going through this process of allowing yourself to truly discover what is the size given my current life circumstances and what I'm going through and how I'm eating and living and everything with finally allowing yourself to get your your body to get to that size there is like a lot of fluidity and then also like massive changes that may happen that seem really uncomfortable, which can, there are certain comments that people will make that make this process a lot harder, right? We're trying to battle what Christina and I call all the time the inner mean girl, right? And then when you have these other people that are making comments, it makes it even harder. So we really loved your recent Instagram post where you talked about when people make comments about somebody's body or their eating, it's likely a sign that they're experiencing stress around their own body or their own eating. And we hear this so much from clients of ours, especially as things are starting to open back up in the U.S. People are going back to work. It's the summer, you know, all of the things. So we would love if you could dive into, you know, these comments and like what you can do about them and then also giving people that other perspective of like when they're saying something, it's not actually about you. It's about them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes this culture is, is rough to work on body acceptance in sometimes like I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I sometimes call it, liken it to somebody who struggles with alcohol, trying to recover in a bar, you know, it's everywhere. 
the, the, the messages to lose weight, to go on the diet, it's on their advertisements. It's people talking about it in the office. It's your family making comments. Like it's freaking everywhere, which is why people do it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of this weird self-perpetuating thing. It's, it's kind of hilarious. It's like everybody's dieting so that they don't have to get comments from other people. Instead of like, hey, how about we just maybe don't comment on other people and then we can just live our lives. Like, so we're often doing this to try to avoid the comments from other people. And the thing is, is that this can actually run really deep. You know, if we've had negative experiences growing up as children around our body, even just somebody commenting on our body in a way that felt um, unsafe to us or or caused us to feel self-conscious about our body, that's enough now for us to live the rest of our lives feeling self-conscious about our body, especially when it comes to weight. So being triggered um, you know, by these comments can actually run really deep and, and be very real. So it's, I don't wanna say that that, like I, I don't wanna say, uh, so what I wanna use, um, say that lightly. I mean, this, you know, these feelings of, of af being afraid of comments on your body could have a real, like a real reason as to why you feel that way. Um, but, and I'm not even gonna say, and I'm just gonna say, but really what it comes down to is we, we cannot really be happy if we keep on relying or needing other people to approve of us and everything that we do, if we have to change what actually feels good to us and how we want to live our life to try to avoid those comments from people, there's always going to be a discord within us. You know, we're never really going to be living truly fulfilled to ourselves. So, you know, the work that I really do with clients is how can I be truly empowered and grounded within myself so that what other people say doesn't really affect me or that I can at least have the understanding of why am I being triggered right now when somebody says this comment. So I know for sure that when people are commenting on somebody else's body, it's because they have their own beliefs around what bodies should look like and they 100% then think that about themselves so it really is all about them but I like to bring a lot of understanding and compassion to these people because I was that person too you know we all are are brought up in this culture message so if people in comments it's just because they don't know any different you know, we don't know what their struggles are with their bodies. So I always like to first bring that as the baseline. And then after that, it's our choice to decide, you know, what do we really need in order to feel okay? Like, do we need to set a boundary with a family member to say, you know, I'm going to have to ask you not to comment on my food anymore. I'm actually working on developing a good relationship with my food and my body. And when you comment on that, that doesn't make me feel okay. I can't have this conversation. You know, setting those boundaries with people. I mean, it still bothers me when I hear people just making comments about weight loss. I was another post I did was I'm actually doing a, a course right now with a, a guy who's a, he's like a really well-known coach, and you know, he just starts spouting off this whole like calories in, calories out equation for weight loss, and I was just like, oh dude, like, no. <laughs> and I know for a fact, because he's talked about it, weight 
weight is important to him. He used to be bigger and he lost this weight. And I guarantee you his life is revolved around keeping his body smaller because he's afraid of what other comments are coming. So yeah, yeah, it was like, it was a bit tough to hear that. But again, I just like, yeah, makes perfect sense. Like it's important to him. So I kind of, again, look at this as like, we can't control what other people say. We can't control what the culture does, but all that all we can really do is work on how do we react to it? You know, what do we make it mean about ourselves? How do we take that in? And then how do we move forward and look at it in a way that feels more empowering to us? Because this is just really about living more in integrity with ourselves. I mean, so true. It's a bummer about that. Coach, I know I have a huge round of applause, right? <laughs> but um, I'm, I was thinking about something that I've been talking to clients about. And I, I, I think this is kind of, it, it's relevant for what you're talking about here, about um, looking at the other person and kind of thinking, okay, that makes sense based off of all these things that are impacting them or everything like that. And I was, I've been thinking about this a lot for for working on body acceptance with clients of mine around what is this costing you? Like, what does this cost you in your life? And then sometimes after we've done that own internal work, we can then put that forward. We can say, what is this costing them? You know, it's costing them a relationship with their child. It's causing them a relationship with other people. It's causing them to feel like they can't succeed in business if they're not in a certain body size, you know? And so I think when we think about it from that perspective, after we've done our own internal work, while we're doing the work, man, it's hard. Man, it's so it's so hard to 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 do that because we're still it's still so fragile right and it can feel like we're just teetering um and falling back in and so sometimes it is like you said drawing that very clear line of saying hey you know what? i can't hang out with you right now or i'm gonna stop following you because of x y and z at this point but i think later as you kind of like it's a little bit less raw and you've done it for a while you can kind of kind of take it with a little bit more of an empathetic feel and say, man, this is really costing them a lot. And this must be really hard for them. And um, I'm here for them when they're ready. You know, um, another another post that you that you mentioned recently or that you posted recently kind of piggybacks off on this in a, in a really great way. Um that we wanted our listeners to hear. And that's imagine what our culture would be like if people were aware and just said the deeper reason to each other why they're trying to lose weight, i.e. I'm afraid of how you will view and treat me if I don't. And when I read that, it was just, yes, right? Like that's, that is what it is. And I'd love for you to deep uh, to dive deeper into that and share with us, you know, what inspired that post and um, any other kind of like the deeper reasons that that you see a lot and that you would love to unpack for our listeners. Mm. I think it's, you know, just seeing that when I see the pressures uh, from this culture, from, you know, colleagues and friends to be smaller from, you know, the, the weight, um, the normative weight paradigm that the medical establishment is using, 
it's just, it's really difficult, like, to not, to not be affected by that and to not feel like you have to lose weight, you know, that you have to change your body. Um, a lot of people do this because, you know, maybe they have stories of being bullied or teased when they were a kid. Like, that's why they're doing this. You know, they're doing it because they feel insecure. Um, you know, we're all, I think, struggling in some way uh, internally, you know, and even people who, in fact, sometimes the people who seem like, you know, the most confident on social media are actually the most insecure especially people I think who are really uh, where it is all about their body, because as soon as you take that away, I mean, what, you know, they might not have much to stand on after that, especially if their identity is attached to that. So having kind of, you know, the deeper reason for why we want to do this, I think it, it is kind of my nice dream. It means though being vulnerable and, that's, that's really tough for people. A lot of people I think don't even really realize why they're doing it. It's just, it's just what's done. Um, but there is a deeper, I, I'm not sure I, I hear anybody talk about weight loss from like a really empowered place. It usually is like, oh, I, you know, this kind of a, well, I feel like as I should, or there's this embarrassment, you know, there's this shame underneath. It's like, oh, I ate that. You know, and so you ate that. And so, and so what about that? You know, like, what does that mean to you? What, what, what are you, what are you making that say about yourself if you have that? And so I think if we got to the deeper root of it, like we realize that we're actually all negatively impacted by this cultural obsession with body size and thinness. So I think that's what really inspired it. Um, another, you know, thing that I'll, I'll say to to clients or that I think I've even posted about on social media is this visualization of, you know, if you grew up on a deserted island and you'd never seen another human body. And I'll say like, this is a magical island. You have everything you need. You're never lonely. So like, just go with me here. <laughs> but there was never another human body. You had nothing to compare yourself to. You know, how would you feel about your own? And to like really set with that because, you know, and sometimes people will find it hard while I'd still, I'd still be upset about my body, but, but I'd be like, but would you, would you really, you had nothing telling you any different that, that, that in any way, shape or form, your body wasn't okay. You know, you might even go back to a time when you were really, really young, like when you were a toddler, like, do you have memories of being a toddler? Do you have memories of being maybe four or five years old? How did you feel about your body then? Did you even think about your body or were you just living life? You know, so this stuff is learned, you know, it's, it's learned. And, and so I think for, for most people, like, I really believe that for the vast majority of people who really care about weight loss and maintaining their body size, there's an insecurity underneath it. It's really just about wanting to be okay and just wanting to be accepted and wanting to belong. And I think if we just said that, you know, would we, would we actually be so judgmental of each other? You know, would we be more open to just saying like, yeah, like, I feel that too. Like maybe we don't have to do this. 
something else that I, that that came up for me that I'm sure Dana can relate to, and I don't know, Christina, your feel like your um, experience with functional medicine, but I think a big thing that comes up a lot with um, some of our previous training and our nutrition training is around a fear. Like there's like a real fear around health outcomes. And this like really deeply rooted belief that our health is inextricably tied to our body size and that we can control that, right? And so um, so layered into that too, it's like I'm afraid that I'm afraid that if I'm not doing this, that I'm gonna have this really scary thing happen to me in the long run. When we know that that really scary thing, we can't control as much as we've been told we can <laughs> we can control it. And so I think that's another thing that I was thinking about, like another another like thing that's I think now hanging out a lot because a lot of people don't identify or don't think that of themselves as dieters. You know, like oh I'm just doing this for my health or I'm just doing this for um, because I have for preventative health or, or whatever it is. And more often than not, a lot of the times we, we talk about these layers of wanting to lose weight and we think of it like an iceberg, right? Like the weight loss is just the top, you know, like, oh, I want to look nice. You're like, okay, that's, that's just the top layer. And then underneath that is all of the other things that are associated with, you know, um, I want to feel belonging. I want to feel connected. I want to feel healthy, whatever, whatever healthy means. I want to feel all of these different things. And they, they all lie kind of underneath that, that iceberg. And I think that post that you, that you put really beautifully and very clearly states, there's an iceberg here. There's a lot underneath the surface of, I'm going to lose some weight or I want to do this. And it's talked about so casually. I think that's what makes it really difficult to to see the undercurrent and that layer underneath is because seeking weight loss is something that is so casually discussed and brought up all the time. Uh, it's just assumed. It's just immediately assumed that this is the right and healthy and good thing to do. Time to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Let's say you're working through your body image in relationship with food. Um, hello, isn't that why you're here? You've heard us talk all the time about how to going to a therapist or counselor to help work through the issues we have with food in our bodies and how we use food and exercise to control or as a coping mechanism can be really helpful to healing. But finding a therapist that specializes in your needs is hard. In-person therapy is expensive. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform that is 100% privacy protected, affordable, and provides professional counseling services from thousands of licensed, accredited, and board certified therapists. To get started, all you have to do is fill out an intake form questionnaire and BetterHelp matches you with your own counselor who you can see from your own home, either over the phone or over a privacy protected video platform. And you can also get connected with somebody in under 24 hours. No more waiting for weeks to get an appointment with a therapist in your area who you haven't even met yet. BetterHelp's mission is to provide everyone with easy, affordable, and private access to professional counseling anytime, anywhere. To get started today, Wholehearted Eating listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Dana. That's betterhelp.com slash Dana. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to that point, I don't know how much you talk about, you know, the, the health piece with with the weight, it's, that's actually the first thing that I, anybody who might 
come be new to, you know, the work that I'm doing is that to me is like the roadblock. That's a big barrier to get around because if they really do believe as so many health practitioners will say that being in a bigger body means that you're more unhealthy, well, then why on earth would I ever, you know, be okay? Like, why would I go down this path of trying to accept my body if this now means that I'm going to be in poor health? So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. For me, what was a really big piece and actually what made me really angry was in the beginning was finding out that actually there's like no substantial evidence that shows that it's body size itself that is the cause of all of these weight associated diseases. And when I was looking up, you know, reading the research about it, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is just, this is written as gospel. You can't even, even if there, in fact, research that shows the opposite of that or counteracts that has difficulty getting published. Um, we love to think that science is completely objective, <laughs> but science is very, you know, is very much influenced by belief. If there's a big belief in the scientific community that something just is, anything counter that to that gets dismissed. And that's an all out, like, I mean, that is in all different fields of science. It's not just in related to health. So that is a big part is to realize that what influences our health is so much greater than our body size. We, it's like, it's almost like based on the conversation, you think that like 90% of our health was influenced by food and exercise and like, that's it. And yet food and exercise is actually quite a small piece of what influences our health. And I love just, you know, think, listening to the stories, like I always like get a kick out of, excuse me, when they, uh, when they interview people who like turned a hundred you know, they're always like, what was your secret of being a hundred? And they're like, I drink whiskey every day. Or like one woman was like, I don't eat any vegetables. <laughs> like, like it's never, you know, it's never like I followed all of the rules. I lived the healthiest diet that I possibly could imagine. And this is why I'm a hundred. Um, you know, I have a friend who wrote a book actually uh, recently called My Guru Cancer. She was, I think, 34 years old. She was a yogi. She was like, or, you know, just think of your quote unquote healthy person doing all the things right, organic, supernatural. And then she got breast cancer. And she was just like, what the what? <laughs> you know, like you know, she uses her example of like, you just, you just don't know. And I also like, uh, I remember years ago, there was that Malcolm Gladwell book, Outliers. And I believe he started the book talking about this community. I don't want to say it was in Pennsylvania. It was like somewhere in the States. But they, they were this outlier because they lived these long and healthy lives and had like lower rates of, um, you know, like heart disease and like all the things associated with body size. Yet a lot of them were actually um, fat <laughs> and they ate a lot of pork and they like, you know, like all the things you're not supposed to do, but yet they were really lived really long, healthy lives. And one thing that they realized was in this particular community, they were very um, tightly knit and had a lot of social support. So like people would sit outside and they would all talk to each other. And there was like always, you know, like nobody was alone. They didn't suffer from any of these feelings of like, um, of loneliness and isolation. And that plays a huge role in our health. You know, living a 
like living your life that actually just feels good to you where you can feel connected like there's so many different factors it's it's not just about body size and I love looking at like old black and white photos especially of indigenous cultures because we have this idea you know that like way back when when you're just living off the land and like this was like the healthiest way to live well there guess what there are fat people <laughs> they actually weren't all thin and like had ripped abs you know so body size and diversity also exists. And it doesn't mean that you're unhealthy just because you're in, like, I mean, these were people like literally living off of the land, you know, walking a lot, like, and they were in bigger bodies. So we just have so many examples of how that's not true. You know, that it's not just that your body size, because we also have to look to the result of if somebody's in a bigger body, like there's so many factors that can contribute to that sometimes it may be um, circumstance related or behavior related and that but it's those circumstances and behaviors that are leading to the poor health comes not the body size you know so that's why also too when people's change their behaviors or change their environment and they might lose weight as a result it automatically the weight loss gets the credit but nobody says like well, how, well but what did you do you know, could it be because you started walking outside every day? You know, could it be that started to alleviate your stress and you were just moving your body more? Could it be that you were getting some fresh air and some sun? Like all of these factors, oh, no, but it's got to be the weight loss. Well, that can't be the case because there's also been research studies where they've done liposuction on people and saw the result of their health outcomes. Nothing changed. <laughs> so if it really truly was the weight itself, then you could just liposuction off all that weight and automatically people would be healthier, but they're not because there's so many different factors that contribute to it. And again, like the story of my friend, you could do everything right. And everybody knows that story. Everybody knows that person who was a runner and all of a sudden dropped out of a heart attack. You know, like there are so many reasons why we might get ill that are out of our control. And in the end, I think, you know, does it come down? Like, I'm getting a little deeper, but it's like, does it come down to our cultural fear of death? Like, could it be that we also just are afraid of it? You know, what is it really about? Like, do we want to live the longest or do we want to live the fullest? And they're not necessarily um, separate, but yeah, that's, there's, there, there's a long little rant about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that rant. And, you know, like, I want to go back to what you were saying on, you know, focusing on the behaviors, because this is one of the biggest things that Christina and I will focus on in our courses and with our individual clients and everything is separating the what can be neutral health promoting behaviors from dieting and from weight loss, right? So for example, like taking a walk in the park, working on your stress, preparing some food on the weekend, right? Like all of these things can be construed in a very black and white, all or nothing dieting or off the wagon kind of way. But when you can separate them, which is hard to do unless you work with a practitioner, right? When you can separate them from the weight loss and from, you know, the dieting and the black and white mentality, they can enhance your life and they can enhance your health without you focusing on the weight loss. And that's when you can finally start to see like the example you gave before of like, oh, I felt really great was that when I was running, but the scale didn't change. 
maybe it's just that the running itself or whatever the behavior is, because I hate running, right? But there are other ways that I choose to feel good, right? So figuring out like, what are the behaviors that you like that make you feel good internally, right? Going back to another thing of what you said, when we can start to tune in internally to what our body really wants and where to, what our body wants to be rather than the external shoulds of, oh, your body should be this size or you should be doing these behaviors because these are good for you or these foods are good for you, right? So working to a place where you can neutralize, we talk about this all the time, right? Body neutrality, food neutrality, like even weight neutrality and acceptance with all of these different things. Being able to work with somebody who can meet you where you are, acknowledging that most of the people that are coming to us are not super like weight neutral, right? Or food neutral or body neutral or anything. And being a practitioner from the first part of who's willing to meet them where they are. And like you said, neutralize, Weight is not determining your health outcomes, right? Like weight is not determining your happiness unless you let it because of the cultural influences and the food and health fear mongering that our Christina was talking about before, right? There's just so many, so many layers, but it is possible to neutralize all these things and work on them in a health promoting behaviors kind of way rather than taking, oh, it must be the weight loss that led to all of this. There was something that I wanted to, to briefly mention that I thought was really cool research. And Christina, I think that you would really like it if you if you don't, haven't read it before. But we mentioned you mentioned it briefly, um, or uh, you mentioned like uh, something that led to it pretty nicely earlier when you talked about the Malcolm Gladwell book and that introduction about the people being a part of a community and being really supportive in that. Um, this was kind of interesting. I think it's relevant for people right now because I think a lot of times throughout COVID, everyone is blaming their food changes on their body changes and their lack of being able to go out with all these different things. And people are people are coming to me all the time with new lab work that's like, oh, this is scary. Like my labs are out of control and it has to be the way that I'm eating. And something that's been really, really interesting for me to have conversations with clients about is about how social isolation is actually a major contributing factor with inflammation throughout the body. And that kind of shows like on a very like deep primal level um, how much our connection with others and our ability like maybe maybe you felt really good when you were walking every day because you were walking with your best friend and you got to chat and you had to had this great moment together and you enjoyed it together it had nothing to do with the stupid app you were plugging it all into you know like it just had to do with the fact that you were hanging out with your friend and you felt connected and heard and they were great for you and you were working through stuff together um while you were also going for these nice little walks but you felt connected and I was thinking about that when we were talking about the connection and specifically it even shows up in lab work, which was really, really cool to kind of learn about more and have those kinds of conversations with clients of mine and say, hey, let's all give ourselves a little bit of a break. Uh, we've been in the middle of a pandemic and let's not all forget how important uh, connection is. Um, for us as a species and how that has been largely taken away from us in a lot of ways this past year. And let's give our body the damn break that it needs, you know? Um, but yeah, that was something that I was thinking about that I would love 
was curious um, if you had read about that or knew anything about it or. Yeah, I actually hadn't come across that particular research, but it makes a lot of sense, you know, because I mean, if you think about it, like the physical contact with people releases like oxytocin, you know, that feel good hormone, it reduces our stress levels. So it's, yes, like the social isolation, I'm also curious, like our stress levels have been through the roof, (laughs) you know, that causes inflammation, like, uh, but again, because it's just, I think, um, because it's so easy to just kind of pass the buck, or it's like really simplistic to just say, well, it's what we eat and what we do, because that's something that we have a certain amount of control over. But there's so many other greater factors in our culture that influence our health that we don't have individual control over. And frankly, like in the greater society, you know, the powers that be would have to change how our culture operates on a much grander scale in order for us to kind of be living a better, more connected life and a less stressful life that it's much easier to just blame the individual and especially focus on, again, those things that we have a certain level of control over, which is our food and movement. And it's just, and we also, we want it to be simple. You know, we want to just say, if this is what I can do, then I can feel good about it. And I know that I can hundred percent, it's so much more complex. And I think because people do see, maybe they are eating a little bit more than they normally would because they're stressed. And because again, that's so frowned upon, which increases stress again. So it's like adding another layer. They again, want to blame it on the food, but to your point, you know, that research showing of the social isolation and the impact of that on inflammation, the stress, the lack of physical contact, the fear of like, maybe your partner or both of you lost your job, maybe your kids are at home, like, come on, like the level of stress that people are dealing with, like, we know that chronic stress is one of the things that that impacts our health the most. And everybody, you know, in a society, the level of chronic stress that people are dealing with has been through the roof. Well, thank you so much, Christina. This whole conversation has been so full of, in the words of Dana, truth bombs, like, <laughs> and lots of really great nuggets along the way. And we just want you to share with us, um, where can people find you? What do you have com- coming up? If you have anything coming up, I think you mentioned something on Instagram about a yoga class or something soon. Um, we'd love to, yeah, share away, share how people can find you, what they can do with you, how you work with people, all of the things. Yeah, sure. Um, so my website, christinabruce.com is where you can find me, but I'm very active on uh, Instagram and uh, also Facebook. But uh, so those would be the social channels. And yeah, right now, because because uh, a baby's on the way and I sort of have some limited time before I take some time off once I have the baby, um, I do have some things coming up and some timelines. Uh, right now, I've got a yoga for body acceptance class. So it's going to be kind of more of a experiential class where we can really get into our bodies and notice, you know, how are we feeling as we move them and what kind of beliefs do we have about them and start to focus on acceptance of, of where we're at. 
so that's coming up on May 21st. And I'm letting people know that, that even if you're not available to attend live, you can still register and get the recording. And so you can do that after. And then right now I'm still taking some clients. I have an eight week body acceptance one-on-one -on -one coaching program where we can start to get you know, more deeper into uh, you know, what are the beliefs? What are you struggling with with your body? We can start to put into practice ways to, to overcome them and become more rooted and, and grounded in who you are and confident in your body. And I'm taking new clients uh, up until June 30th and then I'll be pausing before before mat leave yeah so exciting well thank you so so much again for coming on i loved this conversation i know both christina's probably loved this conversation and we would love to have you back on i mean we could talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours indeed <laughs> thank you for having yes. me yes thank you so much i do i feel like this could be like 12 different episodes <laughs> really, really easily so thank you Hey friends, it's Christina. Thanks for listening to the Whole Hearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies using wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning how we can work with me or Dana for one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling, or you want to check out one of our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. See you next week.